So starting our new series on the basics. Today we're answering what is the gospel? So we're going to spend a lot of our time today answering what the gospel is not. We're going to cite, we're going to define what it's not because a lot of times we've heard things that are misguided. It's unfortunate, but every time anybody does a survey, anytime anybody does some research and asks the church, the body of Christ in the West in general, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? You get all kinds of different answers mm-hmm. instead of well, the gospel is just this really short and concise, simple. There's a lot of implications that flow from it, uh-huh. but the gospel is not a million different things. The gospel is one thing. And then does it have a lot connected to it? Well, yeah, but the gospel is this one thing. So we don't want to mix up what the thing is versus its benefits, what the thing is versus what flows downstream from it. You know, so if the gospel, you know, the gospel is uh, the, the spring that provides the water at the top of the mountain. Oh, no, but it, it feeds, you know, the fields get watered. Well, that's one of the advantages that come. But the gospel is this source. The gospel is this spring. And yeah. A lot of people drink from it, and yeah, lots of plants are watered by it, and the whole valley thrives, but it was this one spring. This is the gospel. Well, look at what it does. Oh, it does a lot of things, but this is the gospel. So we want to have clarity and understanding because it's going to make us more effective as disciple makers so that we're not confused and so that we're not just parroting things from the past so that we don't talk around the gospel so that when it comes to the gospel message, we're not just telling people, you know, your life can be, you know, fully, fully nourished with water. And they're like, well, but they still don't quite understand the spring source of the gospel. They may see an advantage, but not see the need. So that's where we're going to start. What the gospel is not. The gospel is not, of course, a million things. But the gospel is not, first of all, what we do. The gospel is not anything that I do. It's nothing that you do. The gospel is what Jesus has done. That's a simple one. You hear me teach and preach it all the time, and you've heard it in the past. The gospel is not what we do. The gospel is what Jesus has done. The gospel is not our response to the gospel. The gospel does require a response from all people everywhere. It's not a neutral piece of information. It's not like, who won the Super Bowl four years ago? Well, that's historical, but it's not, it doesn't serve any purpose. You don't have to know that. You may know that. You may not know that, but you don't have to do anything with that information. If you have those facts, if you know the score by heart, it's still, there's nothing that you're required to do with that information. The gospel is not neutral information. The gospel is not something where it's like, well, yeah, it, it happened. No, no, no. The gospel requires something of us. It's not just, well, that's interesting. No, it's more than interesting. This is the primary life requirement for every human being to hear this and to respond to this. The gospel is not one of many paths to God. It's not another opportunity. It's not equal with, oh, well, there's this, there's this, there's this. The gospel is not that. I feel like I I dunk on uh, false religions enough in front of y'all, so I'm tempted right now because that's one of my favorite things to do. But I'm not going to go there right now. So the gospel is not one of many paths to God. There is only one path, and the gospel reveals what that path is. The gospel is the only path. The gospel is not a therapy or a self-improvement tool. Does the gospel improve your life? (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, Does King Jesus and and does the Holy Spirit provide healing into a person's soul? Also, yes. But also, those two things that I just said, those are also not the gospel. They flow out of the gospel, but they're not the gospel. 
Well, that's an advantage. It definitely is. But that's not the same thing. That's not the message that we go carry. We don't carry the, the message of the Holy Spirit will hear, heal your soul and your childhood traumas. Is that true? That's true, and that can accompany, but we can't carry these peripheral messages without the first one first, okay? And this is what the church gets wrong a lot. We're like, ooh, if they just knew about all this, start with first things first, and then you can talk about the outflows. Then you can talk about the collateral advantages. You can talk about all these other blessings and good things that are coming because they do matter, and God does give those things freely, but they aren't the gospel, So the gospel does improve a person, but it does so by killing them and then making them new. So that's the part that we could be tempted to leave out. Oh, this will bless your little, your life will just get better. Well, tell them the whole story. You have to die and then you have to come back to life. This is what Jesus does when you, when you give your life, when you put your faith in him and respond to the gospel, you die with Christ. That's what our baptism is representing. That's what our baptism is showing. You died with Christ and now you're alive. You died to your old life. You died to sin, which is kind of tricky because we were dead in our sins, but now we've died to sins. So we're, we're dead. We died to sin and now we're alive unto God. So yes, the gospel will improve your life because it doesn't get much, it doesn't get any better than the gospel. The gospel is not my personal testimony. The gospel gives me a personal testimony when I've responded to the gospel, but the gospel is not my personal testimony or what we sometimes call my story. So it's close. It's similar, but it's not the same exact thing. I might share my story with someone, but if it lacks the gospel, you're like, what is the gospel? We're going to get to it. But if it lacks the gospel, they're going to feel like they've heard something encouraging, but not something necessary. They're going to hear something like, man, God has blessed my life. Uh, Kayla, let me just tell you what, like the Lord, the Lord is so good to me and I just love him and he loves me and it's so good to belong to him. And Kayla's like, man, John Michael, he's really got a special thing there with God. That's cool. But Kayla hasn't, Kayla has not heard the gospel. Kayla, I've loved God ever since I was a little boy. I backslid when I was in high school. And of course, I still have the capability to sin, but just to know God and to be with his people and all the things he's done. But Kayla's like, man, John Michael's got a blessed life. It sounds like God's been good to him. But Kayla still hasn't heard the gospel yet because I haven't told her the gospel yet. I've just told her, God is good. You should love God. I love God. Did we hear the sirens? That was good. Yeah. We hadn't heard it on Sunday morning yet. That's Hartfield, yeah. I didn't know they did it too. Yeah. So Kayla has heard good stuff, but she's heard the peripheral. She has not heard the heart of the matter. How did John Michael arrive at these places? Why is the blessing of the Lord poured out in these particular ways? Because I've shared some of my story, but I haven't shared the explicit gospel. And that is exactly what everybody needs, the explicit gospel. So the gospel is not a system of teaching. The gospel is not a way of life. It's not good morals or things to adhere to, although the gospel will produce good morals. The gospel, it, once the gospel comes into your life, there's many things that you begin to adhere to. Yeah. Right, boys? There's many things that you begin to obey because the gospel News has come, you've responded to it, and now, well, of course, there's a, there's a million and one things that we're going to do to walk out our obedience. 
But those things aren't the gospel. So this isn't just a system of teaching. The gospel is not the Ten Commandments. The gospel is not the commands of God. The gospel is not God has a wonderful plan for your life. So I'm going back to Kayla, right? Kayla, God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's, that's great. Man, that sounds nice. So that message, though, often encapsulates what is often attacked as the prosperity gospel. So the prosperity gospel takes a lot of heat, as it should, because there isn't any word we should ever put in front of gospel. It's just the gospel. So it shouldn't be the social justice gospel. There shouldn't be the prosperity gospel. There is just the gospel. And Paul tells us, he says, if anybody ever comes to you preaching a different gospel from what I have preached, he said, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven, let him be accursed. So if an angel from heaven says, hey, I got some news, it's a new scoop, you need to listen up, like throw him out, kick him out and say to hell with you. Because that is a different gospel, and there's only one gospel. So we don't put anything in front of the gospel. It's just the gospel. There's nothing else. You can't possibly improve upon the gospel. And this is what the church has failed at. We think that we can. We think we can improve it. We think we can sweeten the deal. You can't. It gets no sweeter than the gospel. There's nothing better. Well, I think if they just heard about... Right. But that's your fleshly temptation to not tell somebody the truth because the gospel is what people need. So God has a wonderful plan for your life. <clears throat> this message certainly isn't the, God, the New Testament gospel, although it most definitely is a true statement. God does have a wonderful plan for your life. God's wonderful plan for your life is that you would respond by faith to the gospel. That's God's wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. Well, then what will happen after that? Well, I mean, it depends. There's a million different possibilities. You could get your head cut off. I don't, where do you live? Well, I live in Pakistan. You may be burned to death in a cage. I don't know. So, well, is that God's, oh, I don't know about that. Well, every Christian needs to be signing up with that expectation, willing to die for the cause of Christ. It's not, well, yeah, I don't know how they do it in those countries. Whoa. American Christian, that should scare you to death because that's the same thing we're signing up for. They don't have a different Christ than we do. They're not signing on to a different gospel than we are. It's always been take up your cross and follow me or burn in a cage or be decapitated by ISIS or whoever or whatever. You know, those are the current big names of the day. But there's there's always been some. There will always be some until King Jesus crushes all of his enemies under his feet. But God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, it's called repentance too and response by faith to the gospel. But the God has a wonderful plan for your life is not the gospel message. Although it is true that he does have a wonderful plan for your life. And the gospel is God's wonderful plan for you. What else is the gospel not? The gospel is not there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not this God-shaped hole message that just says you're incomplete. And there's just this one little piece. And when it gets in there, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to be like, ah, I'm complete. Again, some of these things are like, isn't there a little? Well, yeah, there's a kernel of truth in some of this stuff, but the problem is it's not the gospel. And this is where the church has really missed it. And we, we use these one-liners. Adam, God has a wonderful plan for your life, man. There's like a God-shaped hole inside of you, Adam. And nothing's going to fill it, man, except for him. What am I doing? I'm trying to convince Adam to come in for advantage. And don't get me wrong, the gospel will do that as well. But I'm making it about who? Who is this message about? 
Adam, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Dude, I know like you have a hard time like having this deep peace, but man, when you get this thing, this one thing, right? This is the promise that Amazon has for us, right? You might also like this. I'm like, I do want that. You're right. You know, I do need that. I bet once I get that, when that shows up on the doorstep, then I'll be happy. That's the joke Natalie and I make whenever we like orders, like I just ordered such and such. Like now I'll be happy. Right? We say it jokingly knowing that of course that's not the truth. We're happy because of Christ. If I have nothing else except Christ, I have everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But the the problem with a lot of these messages is they're focused on Adam. They're focused on him. People listening online, they're like, the first Adam? No, no, no. So they're they're focused on me is is the point that I'm making. John Michael, man, there's like a hole inside of you. I do know that. There is a hole inside of me. And God will God will be that missing piece. Like, yes, I'm the I'm awesome. I'm awesome. God can come in and be the cherry on top. Man, the ice cream sundae was almost perfect. John Michael is so close. And now, bing, that was it. That was the thing I was missing. Jesus, welcome to the party. I'll I'll make a little bit of room for you too. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. There's a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Could there be a kernel of truth? Well, sure. Like We were designed for God. Humans don't have like, there's a lot of stuff humans could be doing. Oh, God's another. No, no, no. We were literally designed for God by God. So will we ever be satisfied? Will our greatest joy and pleasure come? Will we ever be satisfied outside of him? No. Will our greatest joy and pleasures come from knowing him? Yes. So again, is there a kernel of truth in that? Like, man, there's something missing and God will fill it. Yeah. But the problem is it's not the gospel. Could I maybe get to that point after I've shared the gospel? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a place and maybe some room for that. And another way of driving my point home, which is the gospel, though. The gospel is the point. So the gospel is not just a message that says you're incomplete. And here's this one little piece. He's called God. Make a little space for him. The gospel is not a personal relationship with Jesus. The gospel message leads you to have one. I just defined it a little bit because the gospel is a message. The gospel will lead you into a personal relationship with God, most definitely. Most definitely. Some of you may be thinking, man, it's a little bit semantics. We're being a little nitpicky. I don't think so because, again, this is where we can lead people into a direction that they just don't care about. So here I am trying to bring Chris into the kingdom, and I'm going, Chris, man, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And he's going, why does he need one? Why does he care? Who is Jesus? What's the big deal? Chris is happy for me. He's not mad at me. He's not mad at Jesus. But he just doesn't care. Why? Because I haven't told him the gospel yet. Hey, man, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, Chris, because God has a wonderful plan for your life. And there's a God-shaped hole in your heart, Chris, that only Jesus can fill. And you're like, eh. I haven't given Chris the gospel yet. So... The gospel will lead you to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that's not the gospel. So when this message is shared, the the personal relationship with Jesus and nothing else, people find themselves thinking, no, I'm good. I'm glad you have a friend, but I don't have to have the same friend, right? You know, you've got a friend right now, you know some people, and if they're telling you, oh, I've got this friend, you're like, you really, you don't care. You're like, I have, you're not usually not like, I have to meet this person. Like, you're, you're good with your friend. You know, so I'm telling Chris, I'm like, oh, dude, I, I know this guy. And he's like, oh, that's cool, man. But like, Chris is just hanging out with me right now. Chris is happy to be my friend. And I'm like, no, but I've got another friend you got to meet. He's like, why? 
I'm not, I, don't, I don't need just more friends. No, but my friend's name is Jesus. Now what do you think? Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't know how to meet him anyway. So like, you're just kind of like one of those religious people. I'm cool. It's, it's cool, John Michael. That's the problem. This is why it's so easy for the world to turn us away because we haven't been giving them the gospel. They find themselves saying, eh. And we're like, how in the world could they? Well, maybe it's because we haven't actually told them the gospel because we've made it so much about them. We're another marketer. I'm just marketing them to like Amazon. Amazon's like, Chris, maybe you'd be interested in this. And he's like, nah, not today. And I'm like, maybe you'd be interested in Jesus. He's like, nah, not today. Because I haven't shown him that he actually needs him. Yeah. I haven't presented any, I haven't shown Chris, Chris's need. I've only presented Jesus or the, or the gospel in my flawed thinking as additions, supplements to Chris's life. Mm-hmm. Hey, you just bought this thing for the kitchen. What do you think about this spatula? Nah, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm sure it's cool, but I don't really need that. What do you think about this meat thermometer? Eh, no, I'm okay. I don't need that either. So in the same way, Chris is like, I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy. Things are fine. And I, here I am showing up as another marketer in his life. We get thousands of marketing messages a week probably. And here I am bringing another one to him. Hey, man, would you be, could, I, could I interest you in some Jesus? Nah, I'm good. Thank you, though. I really appreciate it. But, but, I'm, but I'm okay. So, but no, Chris, you didn't hear me. You can have a personal relationship with him. Chris is still missing something. He still has not heard the gospel. I still haven't shown him his need for King Jesus. So right about now, you're ready to hear it, aren't you? (laughs) What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 1 through 4 is what we're going to read. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This is the Holy Spirit's words directed through Paul. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Here we go. Which you received... In which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Everybody say first importance. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now my Bible has a colon right here. So he's saying, I delivered to you what I first received. Here it comes. I delivered to you what I... As of first importance, what I also received, here it comes, the gospel, everybody, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You have just heard the gospel. That's the gospel. Does a lot flow out of it? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot more to it. Like the whole Bible is unpacking you know, what these two verses just laid out in a really boiled down version. What's that called? A reduction? When you cook something and you keep reducing it and it keeps getting it down, you end up getting down to like this, like a paste, and then you can cook other stuff with that. So here we have like the reduction. It's all, it's been brought down. It's been, we boiled off, we boiled off the excess. Well, that was some good stuff. Yeah, it was some good stuff, but it wasn't the thing. It wasn't the very essence of it. But now we've gotten down to this is the thing. What is the thing? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he goes on to say, and that he appeared to Peter and then the 12, and he appeared to more than 500 others at one time, uh, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So this is all post-resurrection, post-resurrected Jesus appearing to all these people. So here we have the gospel boiled down, simplified. What is the gospel? The gospel is the news or the announcement or the message that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. Now, this message requires Chris to respond. Chris, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Eh. Hey, Chris, you know, there's a God-shaped hole in you. Eh. Hey, Chris, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Eh. Hey, Chris, Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and was raised from the dead. These are the boiled down. Could we add more on, on the peripheral? Yeah, we can do more and continue to explain and unpack. But, but Chris has to hear and understand Chris's sin is the thing that created the Lord's action. The love of God ultimately created his own action, but Chris has to get that part of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. Christ died for my sins. It's not, God loves you. Okay, now follow him. Eh, I'm glad he loves me. I'm super lovable. I'm amazing. I'm American. Don't you know? Of course he loves me. And that's where I think the church has missed it. And that's why the world goes, eh, yawn. We, we say something like, uh, heard it before, instead of, hey, Christ died for your sins. Well, that implies that you're a sinner, right? There's more to be said there, potentially, that I have sinned. I've sinned against God. My sin is so bad that someone has to die for it. There's some, there's some real things that stay really close to the heart of the gospel without going wacky, without getting crazy, right? What can we deduce from what we've just read? Christ died for our sins. I have sin? Yeah, apparently I do. I'm a sinner? Yeah. Someone had to die for my sins? It's that bad? Also, yes. We're, we're getting all that right from the gospel. Yeah. We're not going, we're not running away and saying, and you'll get a Lamborghini. No, 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 no. We're not sure about any of that. What we are sure of right here is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Oh, so this was prophesied. This was talked about. This was the Lord's plan all along that someone would die for the sins of others. He was buried. Oh, wow, man, thank you so much. Oh, and he was raised from the dead. Whoa, that's significant. I mean, imagine a person who's never heard the gospel and you tell them the gospel, hey, Jesus died for your sins. You're a sinner. God's wrath is against you already, according to Jesus. We read that last week in John three sixteen. We read through verse 24 or 21, where Jesus explains that the wrath of God is already against mankind, except for those who would put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, right? On the, po- on the post of their heart and say, I got nothing except the man on the middle cross going for me. I got nothing except the blood of the lamb. I got nothing. So a person who has never heard that message, they, under, they, they can begin to understand the significance of it. The point is, a person who has heard that message a million times can still receive the significance of it. Why? Because the gospel, the Bible tells us in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God. That's what the scripture says. The gospel is the power of God to everyone who believes. 
So we have often talked all around instead of getting to the power of God, where the Holy Spirit can cut somebody to the heart. Why? Well, who knows? There's a million reasons we could theorize. Maybe it's my own fear. Maybe I don't want to offend. Maybe I just want to be like, if they just heard all the advantages. Well, the primary advantage is, of course, actually being set free from your sin and getting out of the wrath of God. And then are there other things that come along with that? Yes, but I have to actually trust the gospel, first of all, myself enough to share the gospel. And many Christians don't trust the gospel, which is why they don't share the gospel. Because if you really believe something, if you really had a a rock-solid understanding of it and what it's done for you, you're not going to go tell somebody, hey, God loves you. Would you please just follow Jesus now? And they're like, what? Is that how you follow Jesus? Just finding out that he loves you? Well, you understood his love was manifested in a particular way, maybe, that he died for your sins, right? So the love is present in the gospel message, but the gospel message in itself, people need to hear that they're sinners. Well, people also need to know that they're loved. Well, in hearing that Christ died for them, that's the love part as well. What kind of God would die for his creation when his creation deserved his wrath? So the gospel is this news or announcement that Jesus died for our sins. We're not trying to make it complicated. We're trying to make it simple. I'm just talking. You're like, is he talking in circles? Yep. I want to just keep coming back to the same thing. I want to just keep coming back. It's not all these other things. Well, some of those things are advantages and peripheral truths, right? Yep. But they're not the gospel. And if we start with those things and we wonder why friends, family, loved ones, like, I just don't know how they walk away from it. I don't know. Do they know that they're a sinner? Or do they think that they're awesome and you're just trying to get them a little even more? They're, they're already pretty clean and you're going to get them a little cleaner. Hey, I'll get that last little stain out of that shirt for you. No, 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 no. Jesus is going to burn the shirt and give you a new shirt. That's what has to happen here. It's not like, oh, yeah, I, I, it don't bother me. That spot's been there so long. Nobody really notices it. You ought to see other people's shirts. I know a lot of people who have spots all over their shirts. So my one little spot's not that big of a deal. They don't have a real understanding of their shirt to begin with. They don't see their shirt as the filthy rag that God does. And Jesus says, hey, give me that. I'm going to set it on fire, and I'm going to give you new clothing that won't be stained, and I'll keep it clean. This is the gospel. That's the gospel. We said it in a different way there, but we're emphasizing the message of Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. What's that imply? Well, that implies his love, right? That implies I'm a sinner. So we don't, it's not one or the other, it's both and. The gospel message contains all that's needed. Because some people would say, well, some people just talk about people's sin, and I think that's mean. Well, that's not the full message of the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, that implies the love of God. So of course he loves you. And then other people want to, they're uncomfortable with anything that would make a person feel uncomfortable. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And that is our error, generally speaking. And since Salt Church fights where the fight is, We know that in our culture and in our society, we are going to need to be aware of the people we're talking to. They've heard many, 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 many preachers on TV probably. They've probably heard many sermons that are motivational speakers, that are encouragement to them, but not necessarily saying, hey, with all this other stuff I've said, I need to tell you something else. Not just repeat after me here in the next 30 seconds, and I'm guaranteeing you eternal life. My goodness, that is a dangerous thing to tell a human being. But to be able to say, you're a sinner. Did you know that? If you didn't, you need to know it right now. And the wrath of God is against you. Don't run away yet. I know it sounds scary. God also loves you. 
This is the gospel that Christ died for your sins. I'm looking into the camera here now. Christ died for your sins. He died for your sins. He loves you. But there's two things I just told you. Christ died for you. That's his love for your sins. You're a sinner. I just gave it to you. Christ died. He loves you for your sins. You're a sinner. Somebody's got to die. It was going to be you. You deserve it. But he took it instead. Now we're getting somewhere. Now somebody's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's different from just do you know the Super Bowl score from a few years ago? This is information I have to do something with. I, this is forcing me to a moment of decision right here on the spot. Oh, absolutely it is. Well, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray about it. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not a marketer. I'm not selling you something. You know, I'm not saying, hey, you know, do you like the motorcycle? Do you not like the motorcycle? Oh, check it out. Think about it for a couple of days. No, 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 no. This, this doesn't, there's nothing to think about. I've told you the truth. The Holy Spirit is confirming it's the truth for you. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He's alive right now. He is king, and he is expecting you to respond with faith in his grace. That's the expectation. Now give your life to Christ. Submit and bow the knee to him through faith. And and that's another point we'll get to in a second. What is a person supposed to do with that? But we're we're focusing on what is the gospel. It is the news or announcement. And this news and announcement, it forces action. It forces something. Turn to the left in your Bible over to Luke. And we're just going to see where Jesus gives us a, a nugget, an encapsulation, a very boiled down version, again, of the gospel. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. I'm out of smoothie. I'm out of breakfast. Luke chapter 24. Verse 47. Sorry, verse 46. (laughs) Oh, I messed up somebody's notebook. So Jesus, this is the resurrected King Jesus teaching the disciples. Then he opened their minds. Actually, I'm messing you up big time. Now I'm going to verse 45. (laughs) Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opened our minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Again, just a boiled down, simple presentation of the gospel. He says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. This is our calling. This is our message. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. Here we go. Same thing that Paul said. Who did Paul get it from? He got it directly from Jesus. Jesus directly taught and schooled Paul after he had been resurrected. Christ should suffer. And on the third day, rise from the dead. Okay, so we know Jesus suffered. Jesus was raised from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. So again, we have the whole thing there. We have sinners. We have repentance even. Jesus clarifies that you, you repent from your sins. 
So we know that Paul's gospel included that as well, although in that one encapsulated nugget in 1 Corinthians 15, he didn't mention repentance explicitly. But again, that is what Paul, Paul teaches plenty of other places because he learned it straight from Jesus. But this is the gospel message. It's not just God loves you. It's, it's all of it. It's the both and. It's yeah. Jesus died for your sins. You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We were all sinners. But we can be set free by Christ. We can be protected from the wrath of God and covered and blessed. Now, if people reject that message, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting the God who sent you. They're rejecting the gospel. And that is what God gives them the ability and the right to do. And that is what they will be judged for. But don't let the Lord judge us for not telling them the gospel. Don't let them be able to stand before the Lord. Now, no one ultimately can stand before the Lord because he even teaches that through his creation, he makes himself known as people they know in their heart right from wrong. People know to go to their creator. It is pride. It is arrogance. It is foolishness that keeps them from doing so. And still yet we are commanded to preach and proclaim this message. Which message? The one that Jesus just, the one that Jesus just laid out. Christ should suffer on the third day and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So he's saying start here and disperse and carry it and go and go. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay into the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Of course, they stayed in the city until the Holy Spirit came and sent them out in power to carry out the gospel in power. So the gospel is the message. So what do we do now? We rejoice in it. In our own life, remembering what is the gospel. God has saved you from your sin. This is nothing we ever get over. We don't ever go, yeah, yeah, I moved on from that. I want the deep stuff now, pastor. Well, you're going to need to go find another church because it won't get any deeper than the gospel. There will be many. The gospel is this, this diamond. The kingdom of God we've talked about before is this diamond. There's many facets. As you turn it, the light hits it differently. So there's many ways to see it, which is what got us to some of those statements that we've heard. The God-shaped hole. I think that was a Billy Graham thing. Uh, so again, people have latched on to certain things that I'm going to, that's a good line. I'm going to say that. Well, just make sure you understand the gospel though. Christ died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. And now repentance should be your response. Actually being made new by Jesus. So rejoicing in it, living with a gratitude and a devotion to Jesus. Knowing the gospel causes me to love God. Knowing the gospel causes me to live a grateful life. Knowing the gospel causes me to be a forgiving person. I've been free. I know how much I've been forgiven of. How in the world can I hold anything against anybody else? How in the world can I hold something against my brother or my sister? Look at what I've been forgiven of. So the gospel does that for me. It reminds me that Jesus died for my sins. He died for their sins. I better not be holding a grudge. Rejoice in it. Number two, what do we do now? Tell people the gospel. Like Jesus said, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. There are many other secondary benefits that should not be forgotten, but they are not the gospel. And people need to hear the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is. Well, I'm going to tell them this first. Well, you're not giving them the power of God unto salvation. That's for those who believe. So that's the problem. That's why they haven't even had the, the full opportunity to yet believe. When we give people the gospel, though, 
The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide and cut between the soul and the spirit. It can slice somebody open and they can go, they've got this moment, they've got this opportunity where their heart is laid bare. They're going, ooh. And the Holy Spirit confirms the truth of the word of God. Not just, there's a God-shaped hole inside of you. And they're like, yeah, I could see that. But you're a sinner. Christ died for your sins. And God expects you to respond by faith to love him and to follow him and to repent of your sins and to trust in the blood of Jesus as your sacrifice. Okay, now, where, where am I going to go? Where do I turn from that? Eh, let me think on that. There's nothing to think about. You know it's true. You know it's true. Well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. You're, re- you're definitely ready for that. Everybody's ready for that. You're ready for that right now. Humble yourself before God. What else are we supposed to do? As we tell people, we can rest knowing that it is absolutely impossible to make the gospel any better. There's nothing you're going to do to sweeten the deal. There's nothing you can say to sweeten the pot for that friend or for that loved one who you so desperately want to see come into God's kingdom, who you love so much, and who, if the thought is awful to think about, our loved ones, the people that we know, the people that we care about, going to hell, burning in hell, and suffering under God's wrath. It's unbearable. So know and trust that there's nothing you're going to do to sweeten the deal for them. Uh, Let me say it like this. Let me say it like that. The gospel is the power of God. Guys, this is what it looks like to walk by faith. We don't get to repackage. Jesus doesn't need better marketing. He has a good marketing plan. It is the power of the Holy Spirit through faithful saints carrying the foolishness, what Paul calls the foolishness of the cross. I preach Christ and him crucified. Paul said, that's it. That's my shtick. What's your thing? What's your message? What's your angle? What's your ministry? Christ and him crucified. It's foolishness to those who, who hear it. They go, what? It's all I got. Take it or leave it. Paul, let, let, hey man, let's, 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 let's polish up your message a little bit, man. Let's think about this. Let's go at it from a different way. No, all, all I got is Christ and him crucified. Again, the implication is for your sins. This is the gospel though. This is the power, church. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. When I believe the gospel, I will preach the gospel. And I won't feel the need to dress it up. It doesn't mean I'll, I'll, I'll keep things incomplete. It doesn't mean I'll leave someone in confusion. But I will start with the heart of the matter. I won't start from the outside and try and wiggle my way in. I can start with the heart of the matter and say, this is good news, by the way. That's what the gospel means. Good news, not bad news. The gospel is the good news message that Jesus died for your sins. So it is the power of God. And it is our calling. This is our heritage. This is what the church has always done. This is what the church will continue to do. This is the basic gospel. And thank God there's no other version of it. There's no other version. I said we shouldn't put anything in front of, ba- in front of gospel. I just put the word basic in front of it. This is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Can we explain further? Certainly. Can we use illustrations? Can we tell stories? Can we then use our testimony? Yeah, but our testimony should not be devoid of the fact that we were sinners. So when I tell my testimony, it should not just be, man, God is good to me and he loves me. Well, hang on. You left out a piece there, Joe Michael. God forgave me of my sins. Well, what did you do wrong, Joe Michael? Well, everything. I mean, I was born and raised by parents who loved and followed Christ. But even as a little child, I knew that I needed forgiveness for my sins. So you, you might look at little childhood John Michael and think 
that he was a good boy and that he was fine, but God's wrath was upon him because you were looking at him like a human being who could relate to him as another, as a fellow sinner. God is not a fellow sinner who goes, ah, (laughs) all right, you knucklehead. No, John Michael sinned against God and he knew he was doing it even as a little boy. I knew it. God saved me from my sin. That's a big deal. Well, I don't quite see it like that. Well, I think the Holy Spirit's going to continue to work on you then. I think he's going to continue to reveal something to you. So even there, you saw my testimony. I can't just be, God's been good to me. Come to church on Sunday. Well, if I'm looking to share the gospel, I'm looking to share it. I'm looking to make sure people can hear the whole news. Is it disturbing news? It, it, it can be jarring. It can be quite alarming. But it's good news. Then we, can, then we can fill in the whole picture. Hey, you're not being asked to give anything up here. But you are asking to humble yourself. And if you won't do that, you definitely can't have Jesus. You can't have Jesus unless you know you need Jesus. You can't have him if you don't know that you need him. He's not a supplement. He's not an addition. He's the whole thing. He's not the cherry on top. He's the whole bowl. He's the ice cream. He's the whipped cream. He's the cherry. He's the whole life. This is what he demands because this is what he's worthy of. And this is our good response to the gospel, to just humbly by faith. So what do we do from there? How do we respond? It's by faith. What do I do? Well, you respond by faith. And that faith will have corresponding action, but we don't add anything to it. We don't add to our salvation. Jesus does 100% of the work, and then we walk it out with humble hearts and say, thank you, God. I put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of my heart, just like the Israelites did. That's it. The death angel, when he shows up at the houses, he doesn't come inside and let me look at who's in here. No, I'm killing him. No, that's not what he does. He just sees the blood. And once he sees the blood, he says, it doesn't matter who's inside. That house is protected because of the blood of the lamb. Jesus did it. But would the Israelites have been spared if they hadn't put the blood on their doorpost? But did they say themselves? Did they save themselves? No. But would they have been saved if they hadn't have put the blood on the doorpost? Also no. But did they, could they have done anything to hold back that death angel if he wanted to barge through the door? No. Absolutely not. They had no power. This is salvation. We got, we got no way of stopping anything. We got no way of helping. It's not like Jesus does 99% and then we by faith do the extra 1%. That is absolutely not the gospel. That is antichrist message. Jesus does 100% of the work and we receive it by faith. Does that faith have action? Yes. So God is not opposed to our effort, but God is opposed to our earning. We add nothing to our salvation, but we do respond by faith. Now, a person who's been made new by faith, will their life have new actions? Right. But this is where we can't get the cart before the horse. It is a born-again person. Well, now, of course, all all these kinds of new obediences and new loves start bubbling out. Why? Because the spring, the gospel is in them. And now it's bubbling out. So, of course, you'll find all kinds of obedience and still sin. But the blood of the lamb has changed them. And they, by simple, humble, childlike faith, it looks as simple as, God, I'm so sorry. I see I'm a sinner. I need King Jesus. Help me to love you and follow you. A person could be born again by praying that prayer, but a person will never be born again by merely repeating that prayer out loud like they're just quoting someone. That is not the same thing. But 
Well, how do you know? Well, they know, and God knows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to know. Fruit will follow. If fruit doesn't follow, eh, that's concerning. It should be concerning to them as well. This is the gospel. Let's keep it basic. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gospel, for the good news that Jesus was crucified for our sin and that he was raised from the dead. There's so much that flows out of that good news message. But it starts with a humble obedience to you to say, I love you. It's the blood of Jesus that saved me. And I respond with humble childlike faith. And I ask you to help me to mature, help me to grow, help me to follow you. God, make Salt Church thankful for the gospel. Keep the gospel in our hearts and minds at all times. Make us a a grateful people who then, of course, move forward with this powerful message, this gospel that is the power of God. It is the salvation for those who believe. So help us to carry the message with boldness and with joy, not with sour faces, not with concerned faces, but with excitement to say, this is the good news. It doesn't get any better. We don't need to sweeten it. We don't need to polish it. We don't need to market it any differently. This is the good news. And it is the full picture of what you're doing in us and through us. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for saving us. We trust you, Jesus. Send us out this week as missionaries. Send us out as workers in your harvest. Make us effective. Cause your gospel to bear much fruit. The harvest is ready. The workers have been few, but we are committed to be workers in your harvest and we have the only tool that we need, the gospel of the kingdom. We thank you for using us and for loving us. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you great peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.